to the Extra Pass podcast presented by Melbourne United. I'm your host, Ben Hopkins, and I'm not joined by my regular co-host, Adam Ballinger, today. He's out in the community working hard with kids and, you know, developing the next generation of basketball talent. But I am joined by a very special guest. He hosted the Gazies last night. Jack Everin, welcome. Benny, thank you. Um, I'm a much shorter and far less quality version <laughs> of Adam uh, in most facets of life, particularly on the basketball court. But nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's hard to find. I mean, we do have a lot of talented basketball player guests, but when we have non-basketball player guests, not not as many sort of fill the shoes that, that balls brings. No, that's exactly right. So whereas I've got size eights, so I'm five foot seven, um, so I'm no chance of ever being any player in this league. So I'll just talk about it instead. I don't know. Social league, I reckon you set some mean screens though. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm getting older now. So the, the bones just tend to, uh, to break and snap a little bit more than what they used to. It's a bit, it's a bit that way. Even I just turned 27 and I oh, listen and, to you. I no, just but, turned 27. But still, I just like, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I used to play every night of the week. And now it's just like, one night is probably pushing it. No. Well, just to give you an example, last night when the night finished, I stayed in the city because I live in the southeast, so it was a bit too far to go and come back today for the finals launch. So I walked from where we were at the venue to the hotel, which was like 14, 15 minutes. Mm. My feet are killing me today. <laughs> so this is what you got to look forward to when you get older. Oh, yeah. As someone who's had plantar fasciitis in both feet since I was about 21, I love it. It's great. But we will get... Back to last night. It was a, it was a really awesome evening. Obviously, outside of all United's award winners, just special to have everyone in that room and recognize so many special people throughout the entire season. Um, you were hosting, and I think a really special moment apart from the awards was having Brad Newley and Tom Abercrombie on stage together. You know, two legends of this league. What's that like for you as, as someone who's paid such close close attention to this league to? be able to sort of share that moment with them. Yeah, it's very cool. And I think back to being a hoops-loving sort of youngster, my, my love for this league goes all the way back to the the old Southeast Melbourne. I'm a Southeast Melbourne magic boy. Mm. We had the Melbourne Tigers. So I go that far back to mm. being five, six years old and going with my mum every week to following it through. And then, you know, things got a little rocky with the league, but you have guys like Tom and Brad who were exceptional players and they're exceptional blokes. That's the other thing that, we're really lucky and, and going back into the venue this year for commentary is that you actually get to meet these guys and talk to them more and you get to have all these conversations. So, yeah, it wasn't lost on me last night that you get to stand up there with two absolute stars of the competition and talk about their careers. It's a, it's a very fortunate position, but I'm really glad that they got to stand up in front of a, a big room and get the recognition they deserve. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting when you look at those two because, you know, similar bodies, similar builds and – just two different pathways. Brad obviously comes in super dominant as a youngster and then has that nine, 10 years in Europe where mm. sort of, I guess to maybe the Australian public, if you're not paying attention, you might not know what's going on and then comes over and is still a star and has now moved into a different phase of his career. And then Tom just 15 years, all at New Zealand, winning championships, club MVPs. It's really been great to see both their journeys across, you know, across their journeys as a basketball lover and then to see them both sort of finishing up at the same time, I think it's really special. And they're good people, aren't they? Yeah. I think that there's always something to be said in life about just being a good person and both of them have been wonderful teammates wherever they've gone and whoever they play with both at national level or at NBL level and they deserve it. They really do. Yeah, that was one thing we were putting together, a video of all the you know people who wanted to sort of congratulate Brad and speaking to Bridget, his wife, and we put out a, a short one on our social media. Bridget had about a half an hour long one that was wow. like all 
his European teammates, yep. just so many people came out of the woodwork because he's really he's played with so many big names and so many people. You know, Leon Rose, who's now an executive at the Knicks, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. They played together when Jonas before he was in the NBA, and you know he was nineteen. And even he played against Luka Doncic, so he, what a career um, that he's had. And I just love him as a bloke, to be yeah. honest, Newells. And yeah, I'm sort of I've got a little bit of an allegiance. Obviously, he's playing with Frankston. I'm a, I'm a Frankston <laughs> boy, so I'll go and watch him in NBL One in the winter as well. But I just think he's the sort of guy that if you were playing golf somewhere around here and you had three in your group and he was on his own. Oh, he's just always up for a chat. He could join you and play 18 and you'd have no idea who he was or how good he was at the absolute peak of his powers. He's just so modest and I, I think that's – yeah, you know, that that's kind of represents him as a man and why he's been so successful. Yeah, geez, this bloke's tall and he's good at golf yeah. and he's a nice fella. Yeah, and he likes to have a beer after it, so that's yeah. great. Well, we had that special moment with Tom and, and Newells and then for United we had a lot of special moments across the night, a lot of award winners. I guess we can get into them a bit. We'll start maybe with Dean Vickerman, Coach of the Year. It was one I was I – was, Rooting for very hard. I'm not. I don't have the most active Twitter fingers, but <laughs> I did. I did put out a tweet on the on the Monday morning saying he's got to win it because I just think there is a lot of recency bias in this league. But when you look just at this entire year and what he's been able to do with people in and out of the lineup, coming off the season he did last year, changing coaching staff, changing uh, changing playing group. I just think it's been phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not fence-sitting here. I honestly thought that all three of the nominees mm. could have won for different reasons. I think John really, from where Perth were to where they are now is incredible. And Justin Tatum, like that Illawarra group was was a mess at the start of the season. But if we're talking about Dean as, as the winner, last year wasn't a great year mm. for Melbourne United. There's no hiding that. And I, the thing I loved about Dean was – he's been really open about learning from last season with the way they built the roster and what it stood for and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's the mark of a successful person is that you don't make the same mistake twice. You learn from it and you're better this time around. And, you know, he, he spoke about this when he accepted the award that it's a different team. It stands for something different than what it did last season. That's one thing. But then to get them to do what you want them to do on game day is not an easy thing, particularly when you've got so many stars on the roster. So it's full credit to Dean. I mean, that's now three Coach of the mm. Year awards. He's now getting up there right in that top category of the elite coaches in the history of the NBL. And he could win plenty more. He's still contracted for another four years. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, absolutely deserves it. The, the other two, as I say, would have been great stories as well. But there's something to be said for the turnaround from last season to this season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I have to sort of be the resident stat man here at <laughs> Melbourne United. So um, I'm always keeping an eye on on Dean as he sort of climbs the ranks. And, and one of the things that I've mentioned whenever he's hit milestones, whether it was 300 games or, or 200 wins, which he just recently hit, that among coaches who have coached a similar amount of games, only Gorge has a better winning percentage. Yep. So he just – Whatever organisation he, he's in, he just comes in and really instills his values and, and knows how to create a winning environment. And that's obvious. And I think there are times this season where Melbourne haven't been playing their best basketball, but they can still go back to the the basics. And I think that's really important. And they're the basics that Dean and the coaching group have, group have set up. And, that, and that's a huge thing. I know it was something that Cam Luke mentioned at the start of the year and it's been brought up all year, but to go a whole season without losing back-to-back games is is enormous because it just shows that, look, we can have a bad game or, or things don't go our way, but we're always, especially when you're playing Friday and then playing Sunday, mm. we're always able to bounce back, get back to the basics. And 
we see it here at United as staff every day. He keeps the boys accountable. You know, there's no, you know, there's no way that it's just, you know, we're 10 and one or whatever we were at the start of the year. Let's just sort of cruise through because we got a gap. It's just, no, we got to push yep. every day. Even on Sunday, like top spot was locked away against Illawarra. Could have been forgiven for resting a couple of guys and just and getting through that way, but there was no resting. It was it was great to watch. So full credit to Dean. I just really like him as a person and, and what he stands for as a coach and another one that got their recognition last night. Mm. And then we move from the bench to the court and, and we look at some of our, our players that won awards. We'll, we'll start with Shay Ely, Defensive Player of the Year, another hotly contested award. You know, uh, Sammy Mack and, and Will Magne both deserving, but I just think, you know, I'm – I'm in love with Shaili and the way he plays. <laughs> it's just the way he just moves. We had our high performance manager on a few weeks ago and he said, Shay's one of the best athletes he's ever worked with across all sports. Just the way he moves and the way he can disrupt whatever another team is trying to do. It's phenomenal. And I'm, I'm really happy that after two straight years of being nominated as a finalist, uh, really happy that he got the nod last night. Yeah. He's a better defender than he is in interview. That's for sure. I think I learned, I think I learned did, that last night. He did night. throw you under the bus. I, fe- I felt a bit bad for that. But as someone who's had to organize interviews with him for the past few years, I, I didn't, it's not like I didn't see that. No. Coming. And to be honest, I've done a few things with him as well. And you kind of knew that it was going to be short and sweet. Oh, it was funny. As he was walking up to the lectern, he was like, I'm not, I'm not talking. I said, no, you are. This is all sort of under the breath. He said, one question. I said, no, no, no. It literally was one question. He got up and just walked off after that. But I think, you know, that, that award's named after Damian Martin, who's won it six times, and he's he's everything that the award stands for in desperation, in pressure, determination, all, all of the superlatives. You can throw them all out. I think Shea stands for a lot of them as well. So in many respects, it's fitting. I mean, Will Magne is a different type of defender. He's a shot blocker and a rim protector. Shea guards the best guards in this league every single week and, and does a phenomenal job. It, it, you got to follow guys around like Jordan Crawford and Parker Jackson Cartwright and Jalen Adams. You name it. Every team have got great point guards and Shea gets them every single week. So, yeah, I think he's a, a really, really deserving winner. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, they say the rising tide lifts all ships. When you see Shea just putting his body on the line and doing everything he can to shut down those guards, I think it just lifts everyone's energy. You see the bench whenever he's diving on the floor or taking a charge. There's so much excitement and it makes everyone else play harder. Yeah, and you need a guy like that in your team. And the other thing with Shea too I think that's worth talking about is that at the end of last season, and I don't think this is a a great secret, there was a bit of uncertainty about where Shea's career was at. He'd had some issues with concussion we know how sensitive that part of the body is now and, and how all teams and all sports are being really, really cautious with it. So for him to be able to play almost a full season, touch wood, and, and have no dramas whatsoever, for what he's been through, you could forgive him for having a few doubts about, you know, do I dive on the, this loose ball? Do I, do I put my head in a situation here where it could get knocked off? But not Shay, he just gets out there and plays. Yeah, I think it was so meaningful for everyone here at Melbourne United and everyone who appreciates the way Shay plays, especially to see the season end last year, but to see him go through everything he did, play for the Tall Blacks in the World Cup, play really well yeah. in the World Cup, had a tremendous World Cup, and then come back and still be that same player because he only knows one way to play and that way helps, you know, it, it helps teams win championships and, you know, he's a crucial part of this team and we hope he, you know, knock on wood, as we said, <laughs> we hope he, he stays healthy throughout the finals and throughout the rest of his career because regardless, I think all basketball fans, you never want to see anyone get hurt and especially 
matters of concussion and matters of the head. It's a uh, it's it's nasty stuff. He'll be important come finals. Uh, that's not a groundbreaking statement from my end, but <laughs> headline. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, we'll get a better headline than that. I promise. <laughs> but he is going to be such a crucial part of of what Melbourne do in the in the playoff series for sure. And then you talk about just an absolute defensive beast. Then we look at an offensive beast who's really, you know, been the spark plug so many times coming off the bench in Ian Clark, who wins best six man. I think Ian could have gone to so many teams and been a starter, but to come here and really fit into this role perfectly. I remember when we were going through the recruiting process and there was talk within the office, like, oh, who's going to be the import? And I, I remember vividly because we were filming the, the preseason documentary, mm. Dave Barlow, one of our assistant coaches was saying, if we could get someone like Ian Clark, <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah. And then to have him come in and just really just be that perfect puzzle piece, it's amazing. And how well is he shooting the ball? Oh. Goodness me. He's had a phenomenal season shooting the basketball. But th- this is a guy that's won a, an NBA championship and has played with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and these enormous names. Uh, very humble, very, very easy to talk to, very easy to get along with. But accepting a role like that, in the hope that it's going to translate into a championship. I'm not sure that all imports could come to Australia and do that. I think we know with imports sometimes they come with big expectation and and big, I guess, hopes of what they want to achieve personally. For him, it kind of feels like that's secondary to what the team's hoping to achieve, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, with so many guys on this team, and Ian especially, it's all about winning and it's all about team success. So to see him just do whatever was asked for him, you know, he came – he came off the bench for 14 games. He started eight, you know, whenever people were out and whenever he needed to step up a little bit more, you know, whether it was CG's maybe having an off game and he needs to put up those shots. I think you'd look no further than the open air game where yep. it gets the overtime period and he just completely takes over to have a piece like that. It, it takes nothing away from the other nominees, but I don't think any team has a piece like that, which uh, makes me feel very lucky as a Melbourne United employee. I'm not surprised. <laughs> There's a lot of teams that would love to have him. Like you say, I think the other thing too with Ian Clark is that he may not start, but he'll be there at the end of a game. So yes, he's coming off the bench, but still playing significant minutes and still playing clutch minutes at the back end of the game. And you go back to when Sydney won their championship a couple of years ago, Ian Clark played an enormous role in that grand final series. So for your point of view and a Melbourne United fan's point of view, hopefully he can do the same. Yeah, absolutely. And we get to the, the all-NBL team now and all-NBL first team, Chris Golding finished second in MVP voting. Really just, a, as I said before, I have to be the stat man here <laughs> and just keeping track throughout the season of – how he shot the ball and his impact on the court. Sometimes I'm just staring at the screen just like, this can't be right. He can't be shooting this well on this many attempts, but he's just had a phenomenal impact on this team and really deserving for an MVP finalist and all all NBL first team. Who just happens to be 35, by the way, too. That's... That's the part that I don't mention it to him. No, I know because he's still playing so well, but I think that's the part that you've really got to get, got to get your head around with Chris is that he's 35 years of age. Now in Australian sport, whether it's basketball, footy, cricket, by now we're, we're trying to retire guys. That that's just kind of the way it is at 35. Even when there's a three at the start, it's like, Oh, he's 30. He's starting Mm. to get on a little bit. There's been no drop off at all. In fact, it's, there's no drop-off. There's an increase mm. on last year and on the previous season as well. So I, I don't know what that is, whether that's fatherhood, whether that's just enjoying the game or whether knowing that the end is closer than the start and he just wants to go out and 
enjoy it. But, um, wow, what an amazing season. And even you go back to Sunday's game against Illawarra, big shot, late in the game. Who do you throw the ball to? And who's going to deliver time and time again? So he he deserves all of that. Um, you can debate the All-NBL first team and the makeup of it, but for mine there were two or three locks all season long and he was definitely one of them. Yeah, I think he had to be on there. Just the way he impacts a game, I think it's very easy to perhaps just look at stats and, and not – watch the game closely and just say, oh, well, he's not in the top whatever in scoring and he doesn't do anything other. And, you know, that really frustrates me when I see people <laughs> say that because you've been in the buildings for so many times. Chris has gone off and even the games where he's not going off, the attention the other team has to pay yeah. for him opens up and his passing is fantastic. He's he's a really unselfish player when it comes down to it because at the end of the day, he's won three championships and he just wants another one. And there can be, and we fall into it in commentary sometimes, where you, you're following shooting stats and there's games where Chris can be 0-6 at halftime mm. and, and you know, the conversation from our point of view in commentary turns to what have you got to, what are they got to do to get Golding more involved in the game, et cetera. You're talking about how he's evolved as a player. I reckon that's part of how he's evolved is that he's calm, he's okay with it, and it might not be the third quarter. It might be halfway through the fourth quarter. It might be the last three minutes of a game. But he knows there's going to be a time for him to take over. And he's much more comfortable with letting the game come to him now as opposed to perhaps in the earlier years where he was trying to take the game on a little bit too much. And as you say, on the weekend against Illawarra, he heads into halftime. He hasn't made a shot. He's only made three free throws. And he still comes out. He still gets his shots up and has 16 points mm. and two giant threes in that in that fourth quarter to really seal that game. Yeah, it's – I'll go back to it. He's 35. You shouldn't be playing this sort of basketball at 35, but he is. And then the final of our our on-court award winners, we had Joe Lalichul Jr., All-NBL second team. You know, I think it was big for for Joe to come back this year after being away in in China and Lebanon last year. He he came back and he he wanted to make an impact, but he's also one of those things where he could potentially – if he was at another team, they might be playing him 32 to 35 minutes a game and – really just giving him the ball and asking him to dominate. And I think because there's so much talent on this team, maybe his performances can get lost at times, but to see how dominant he can be when he needs to be, it's been phenomenal. Go back to the Australia Day game that Melbourne played in Brisbane. Mm. We were in the venue. It was our first time in Brisbane. He had a look in his eyes that night and he was up against Aaron Baines and Tyrell Harrison and also Rocco Zakarski coming off the bench. But there was a lot of love all season for Brisbane and their big man and how good they'd all been working together. It's as if he walked in and took that personally and and looked at particularly Aaron Baines with his resume and went and just looked at him and said, I'm going to take you down tonight. And, and he did. He was, as I say, that look in the eye was a guy who just decided that he was going to dominate that game and he did. And I, I see him as being, if you win through to the championship series and whoever you play, I think you do a lot worse for those who like to have a little flutter than have Joe Lawala Chul as your grand final MVP because I just think big game situations, he seems clearly motivated. He wants to win one. He, he's spoken publicly and privately about winning one and what it's going to mean to him. So if he gets that look in the face that he had against Brisbane on Australia Day, then that's going to be a really good thing for Melbourne come finals time. Yeah, that's the thing with Joe. He I don't think he's ever stepped foot on a basketball court where he didn't think he was the best player. And you got to have that mindset at this elite level. And then when you see him back it up with those performances, like we've seen against some of the best bigs in the league, whether mm. it's Keanu Pinder or Alan Williams and, you know, that trio in Brisbane, whenever he's going up against those players, he wants to shine. Yeah. And 
another one that his game's evolved. And, and another one like we are just talking about with Chris that is happy to let the game come to him a little bit more than perhaps what he did a few years ago. Yeah, and it's, it's been really special as well seeing his connection with Ariel because, you know, there definitely could be players who may think that, oh, this young guy is taking my minutes or I'm in a foul trouble and now they're going to him. But the way those two play off each other and help each other whenever there's something on the court, they'll always be screaming out from the bench in the court just like, this is happening here and this yeah. is happening there. So it's been awesome to see that relationship. And I think it's made Ariel a lot better this year who's had a, his own tremendous year and hopefully we see him head off to the NBA after this season. Pretty handy luxury, isn't it, for Dean to have yes. Ariel and JLA, two guys who in their own rights could both be playing in the NBA. So it's a, it's a good thing to have. We'll get to a little preview after this break of the NBL playoffs. Want to stay up to date with everything happening in Melbourne United? Download the Melbourne United app today. Filled with videos, audio and articles about your favourite team. It's the one-stop shop for everything Melbourne United. Download the Melbourne United app via the App Store on iOS or the Google Play Store on Android. And we're back on the Extra Pass podcast with our guest Jack Heverin. Jack, you're in the building for the vast majority of games. You, you've watched this season closer than just about everyone. <laughs> what is there for people to watch coming into these playoffs? We've got the fever break now, so there is a little break. But what should people be watching for from some of the other teams that MU could be coming up against? Oh, heaps. And uh, this is not a fence-sitting answer, but you can probably even just tell from my, my tone of voice, I'm so excited for what's mm. coming up in the next month. And even just, you're talking about being the building. We're going to be the building for every game in the final series in commentary, which is a, a big step forward. And I know the fans want us in the venue and we're working on that. And, and this is a really cool thing to know that we're going to be there. It's wide open. So if, if you start from the bottom half of the six, Sydney are dangerous. There's no no question about that. They haven't had a great season and at times I've done most of their Sunday games in Sydney. At times they've been pretty ordinary. There's no hiding that. But I reckon everyone knows that a Sydney team at their best can be hard to kill. So, you know, what happens there in that game? The New Zealand Breakers, I think there's going to be a bit of a watch this space on Will McDowell-White. From what I'm hearing, it may not be season over yet. It's, mm. it's likely, but there's a chance that Will could play. So... He's very, very important for them. I love Modi Mayor as a coach. I think he... He's a guy who gets the best out of his guys. Yeah, he does. And, you, you know, we were talking before about Dean and how he calls guys out and he's not afraid to, whether you're the best player on the team or, or the bottom part of the roster, he'll call you out. Modi does that. When you sit next to him in commentary and he's on the sidelines there, he's got no problems looking at his best player in the face and saying, what the was that, you know, sort of thing. But that's what makes them such a, a, a very good team. And they're so structured. So that first play-in game, I mean, there's going to be a very unlucky loser out of that, that, that game. It's a mm. one-game shootout and you've got to bring your best. And if you don't, it's season over. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where a lot of people who, you know, are looking at it short-sightedly, this is a grand final rematch from last year and that grand final series was filled with so much talent yeah. and they're different looking lineups, but there's still so much talent on the floor and I, I think it's really going to, be a, a really exciting game. So then Illawarra, there's a part of me that wonders whether Illawarra kind of playing with house money now. Mm. No one in their right mind expected that the Illawarra Hawks would make the playoffs from where they were or finish in the top six. Yeah, I think it. I think it's hard because when a lot of people looked, myself included, I looked at Illawarra at the start of the year and I looked at their lineup and said, that's a lot of talent. They, they've got a lot of talent and they can score the ball, they can play defense, they got guys who hustle and it obviously didn't work for them under... Jackamus at the start of the year, but their turnaround's been phenomenal and 
I think, you know, they're, they're capable of pushing anyone. Yeah, they are. I, it actually worked out all right. I had them top four at the start of the season and I look like a real bum after about <laughs> six weeks, but they've ended up in the top four. But they've got belief. I, I don't think you can't put a number on that. You can't put – it's not tangible, but mm. they've just got – they've got belief and they're together. But they've got Tasmania who – I was down at my State Bank Arena on Saturday night. We were talking about that before we started this show that – that's a genuine home court advantage. I'm not sure there's too many stadiums that can honestly say that it's a home court advantage. My State Bank Arena is a definite home court advantage. It's small. It's intimidating. It's loud. It's loud. you got guys like Jack McVeigh and Will Magnay who are going like this the whole game and, and they know that they can get the crowd into it. So I think that's a really, really big factor for them. And for Tasmania, I actually think form-wise – they may be playing the best basketball in the league right now. Now, whether they can keep that going, that's that's their challenge. But I, I think they're very, very strong. And then Perth have got Bryce Cotton, and he's the benchmark. I don't call him the benchmark for some cheap sort of nickname. Mm-hmm. He is the benchmark because if you want to be the best in this competition, you got to go through him. And he takes it personally every time that there's a challenge as well. So their turnaround's been phenomenal. John really's now got them playing the right way. I think he made some really important changes to this group. The only thing with Perth is they need other guys to go with Bryce. And we've seen some games when Bryce has been quiet. Who's that going to come from? So Pinder, Ty Webster. You know, I think Jordan Usher off the bench is going to be very important for them. Even someone like Corey Webster, who we haven't seen a lot of in the back half of the season, can he come in and play a role? So there's no easy path to the championship. All six teams have got their own credentials and their own reasons why they're dangerous, which is really exciting. Yeah, I think that's the thing that, you know, the the tagline for the NBL is every moment matters this year. And it's been like that because on any given night and in any given arena, anyone can get a result. And I think it's like that coming into these playoffs. um, There's just so much excitement there. With Tassie, like you said, they're just a machine. They just sort of they do what they do and they do it really well. Mm. And sometimes you can you can best them by, you know, just working around that. Obviously, the the first game United played against them this year in Tassie, JLA was massive. Yep. Kyle Bowen was massive. Sometimes you just got to hit shots and you just got to play well. And I think that's what's going to come down to. It's going to come down to matchups and it's going to come down to people making the most of their opportunities. And the hard thing for I think when you play a team like Tasmania, and I reckon the same applies to New Zealand if they get that far is a three-game series or a five-game series in a Mm. championship. So sometimes we can be a bit short-sighted where we just look at one particular matchup and say, you know, it's Melbourne versus Tasmania or it's Perth versus Illawarra in one game in isolation. When it comes to this time of year, we shouldn't look at it like that. We should look at it of who's going to be good enough, tough enough, you know, the old saying harder for longer kind of thing. Who's got enough depth to win a potential five-game championship series? And that's the thing that it's been talked about all year with United is, is the depth. And we've talked about so many of the stars across this episode, but then you go even further down the bench and you have a pair of rookies. Well, Kyle Bowen was a development yeah. player a few years ago, but really a pair of rookies in, in Kyle Bowen and, and Flynn Cameron. You've got Tanner Krebs, who's a pro in this league and knows exactly what he needs to do. You've got so much talent. You've got Ariel hook Porty. You've got Brad Newley just mm. as a veteran head who can help, you know, he's been in these big moments across his career. And I think for Dean to have that depth there, it's just going to help so much. Speaking of Flynn Cameron, just by the way, if I could buy shares, I think in just about any player in the competition and play the futures game, it's Flynn Cameron. I 
I think this kid's got unbelievable ability. And, and Andrew Gaze actually said this to me last week. He said if, if Flynn Cameron played at another club, he'd be a starter mm. and, and he'd already be a star. But I think he's here in Melbourne. He's learning the right way through Dean and the coaching staff. But, boy, that kid's got a bright future. Mm. And to see him get better every day and the way he battles against whether it's Shea or Delhi or IC or CG, you know, he's just got – the perfect role models around him to craft himself into the best player possible. And I think he's going to be a really successful pro in this league for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to have a very, very, very bright career. Hopefully he stays in the NBL for a long time to come. Well, Jack, I really appreciate you coming in and breaking down the awards night last night, breaking down how the playoffs are looking. There's so much excitement around this league. I really just want to get get through this fever break and, and get to the games. I think we're all the same, aren't we? We're kind of – the break's good in some respects. We can all get a bit of a freshen up, the players and the commentators and the staff at the clubs who work their backsides off for the whole season, but it's maybe just a little bit too long. Yeah. So roll on next Wednesday. No worries. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Jack, for coming on. And, uh, yeah, that's been another episode of The Extra Pass.